Welcome to Live Courageously, podcast show number 12 of 2023. I'm your host, John Duffy, and this is the 28th Live Courageous podcast show since I started it a year ago. Live Courageously has been the conscious theme of my life for the last three years since the beginning of the pandemic in 2020, and it's also been an unconscious theme for most of my life. And if you haven't seen the previous 27 podcasts with some of the amazing Courageous Friends sharing their powerful stories of overcoming all odds and going on to live powerful lives and making a difference in the world. You can watch them on John Duffy Live Courageously YouTube channel. And I have about another 50 friends planned to be guests on my future shows. So please subscribe to the YouTube channel and keep coming back every week, Sunday at 2 p.m. So why live courageously? Because fear is just a reaction, but courage is a choice. And I suggest that you consciously Choose courage and faith over fear every time that you experience fear to get you through life and to deal with whatever life may throw at you in the future. And trust me, it will throw stuff at us that we don't like or want. So choose courage. Today, my guest is Nicholas Comier III. And Nicholas was born in Galveston, Texas. His father was a military intelligence officer in Vietnam with 30 years of military service. And his mother was a college professor and counselor. Nicholas joined the United States Air Force in 1995 and served as an air traffic controller for four years. He served as a member of the Stealth Bomber 509th Bomb Wing during the Serbian Air War. Upon finishing his Air Force hitch, Nicholas married and was soon the father of a beautiful daughter. He studied theater and film at the University of Texas at Arlington, and he obtained an MBA from Texas State University. He created Runner Films, and he worked as an actor, writer, and director for many years. Nicholas left Texas in 2013 to be closer to his daughter, who's now living in California. He worked various day jobs, including bartender, but was eventually hired uh, by a Fortune 500 aerospace manufacturing company, where he worked 70 hours a week for nearly three years. Nicholas lost that job in 2017 due to illness, and he ended up homeless on the streets of Los Angeles. He is currently a service con- is currently service connected and has permanent housing through the Veterans Affairs Supportive Housing Program. Nicholas is writing and acting again. He writes entertaining stories that examine the human condition, drawing upon his military and corporate experience, as well as his surviving life on the streets of Los Angeles. Nicholas uh, now owns Runner Arts, a full-service content creation company. He volunteers for veteran-centric service organizations and is a member of the Skid Row Running Club. He recently ran his first international marathon in India. I'm going to talk to him about that. And he also ran four marathons in a year's time, two in the last three weeks. Wow. Uh, each marathon is dedicated to his fellow veterans, especially those unhoused and struggling with mental illness and or addiction. Nicholas is um, the homeless liaison on the Community Veterans Engagement Board of the GLA VA in Brentwood, California. His greatest achievement is as a father, and he and his fiancee are expecting their second child, a daughter, Rumi, any day. Uh, Let's greet and welcome my good friend with his L.A. hat. All right, Nicholas, L.A. Dodgers. Go, brother. How are you doing, man? I'm good, John. How are you? It's great to see you. Hey, great to see you, man. Uh, I usually ask two questions and I will ask them, but I'm going to ask a third one first, uh, it, which is, 
Uh, did you run today as well? Because I saw you ran like 11.5 miles yesterday. So I was wondering if you were going to be running while I, I did this podcast with you. <laughs> I did not run today, John. What I did was I biked 13.1 miles, which was cut a little short because I had a speaking engagement. <laughs> oh, my God. But um, I, did get a bike in. I did get some biking in. <laughs> wow. Well, you know, I, I'm impressed, man, by all of that. And I'll give you a story later as to why I'm impressed by it. But, uh, you know, having run and we'll talk about your marathon experience, too, as we go into the show. Um, another quick question before we get to my usual two questions. Uh, your daughter, you said, is uh, your uh, daughter coming is going to be named Rumi. Is yes. that is that from the Persian poet? Is that the, why you chose yes, that exactly, name? Exactly, exactly from the Persian poet. Rumi. Yeah, well, I'm gonna put up uh, if you don't mind. I'm gonna put up two quotes because when I saw that, it triggered me because um, and one of them they're just great quotes. One is, uh, "Easy, lovely days don't come to you. You should walk to them." That's one quote by him. And another one is, "The inspiration you seek is already within you. Be silent and listen." Um, I think. Those are both beautiful quotes, and it probably will, uh, you know, your daughter's probably going to live up to that, um, th that beauty, man. So congratulations with that, brother. Thank you so much, John. I'm super happy. So is my fiance. I bet, man. I've, and I've had the honor to meet her a couple times as well. And so you're a very lucky man. Very lucky man. Thank you. Um, so let me ask you, my usual two questions is how did we meet? Because of all the shows I've done, there's only been one person who I did not know personally before I did the show with them. So my question is, how did we, me and you meet? That's my first question. Well, John and I met on set uh, at the Hollywood Post uh, 43 and uh, on our, our director, John Mendoza's film. Uh, it was uh, an amazing experience. John lights up the room. So as soon as I saw John, I felt his energy. I was drawn to him. I got the, we were in a scene together. Uh, so we got to play together. Uh, and that's how we, that's how we met. <laughs> that, that's the three of us in the scene that we did. And, and we'll come, we'll come back to that later because it obviously the film is, is doing good. I, I yeah. knew it was great yeah. because it was, it was the same thing. You know, I was uh, honored to be invited to act in the thing and I met you on set. And, and our scene together was this three veterans arguing about how to save the post from the zombies. And it was it was a blast, man. I, I have to say it was one of the most enjoyable things I've done. We just had such a blast together, you know, where we me and you were arguing, especially. And, uh, you know, it was just so cool. But um, I'll, I'll, share, I'll share a little bit more about that later as we go along. Tell me. What does live courageously mean to you? That's the second thing that I usually ask. Yes, I, I, I've seen the show and I've, and I've heard it answered. First of all, I'm honored to be here. Thank you for having me be a guest, John. Uh, the, the guests that you've already had on the show and are planned on the show, to be in that kind of company is just humbling and I'm grateful for it. Um, live courageously to me. Um, you know, you address some of it with, with uh, choosing faith over fear, uh, tremendous amount of faith, um, also pushing through whatever limits in the mind. Uh, for me, living courageously is speaking to myself in a courageous way, um, and then I'm able to act courageously. So more and more, it's about removing those limits and how I speak to myself, 
and uh, how I behave and the actions I take and having integrity with my word. And when I do those things, I'm able to live and act courageously. And also I'm leaving out being honest. The more honest I am to myself, the more honest I'm able to behave and act in the outside world. And then I'm able to live courageously. Well, you've had, you know, maybe you could tell the audience a little bit your life. Like you, you know, you grew up in Galveston, Texas. Um, I've been down to Texas multiple times on, on projects and, uh, you know, I've loved the area and the people I met down there. But then you went into the military coming from a, a father who was in the military, was an air traffic controller, served in the Serbian war, and then eventually went to college, got all degrees, all this stuff. So, you know, a, a lot of your early life was one of, I would say, um, success and accomplishment and discipline and, you know, uh, doing stuff like that. So tell us about that. But then you eventually like, you know, and, and I talked about that life will throw things at us and life threw some stuff at you. So we'll get to that, that period when you got hit with what life threw at you. But first, tell us about the early part of your life. Well, the early part of my life was informed greatly by the military. My, my father's a military veteran. Uh, you mentioned it, a, a military intelligence officer, which for a lot of, you know, pretty much my dad was a spy for, for, for 30 years working wow. in working in counterintelligence. And my mother uh, was raising my brothers and I. I was born in Galveston, but that was only because my mother was on the way to meet my dad in, in Berlin, but she was too pregnant to fly. Uh, I have I had I had a twin brother. He's no longer with us, but we, she was pregnant with us, too pregnant to fly. She stopped and had us in Galveston at her sister's. And then we were able to go to meet my dad in Berlin. So my early years were in Berlin. Wow. Uh, and then I don't remember as much of it as I would like to. But uh, we had our house was like a, a, a shrine to, to, to that time in, in our lives. My mother loved Berlin. Uh, and my family really thrived. And my dad loved being on an assignment and he loved serving in the military. So service was implanted uh, in me by watching, by watching dad and how dad uh, conducted himself in the world. And my mother also, who was uh, an educator and, uh, and very active and involved in the church uh, as well. And, and those were really the, the, the guiding forces in my life at a young age. And they had a lot of expectations for us. Well, you know, I, 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 and you've seen from the show, I mean, co being courageous can mean a lot of different things. But, you know, part of it is living a life that you don't focus on yourself, but you also focus on service to others. And, you know, what you're saying is that obviously you've had a, you had role models. Both your parents gave you that model of service. And you, you continued that model when you joined the military as well, was that model of service. And continue it today with the stuff you're doing today. But, you know, I think that's a model if you just speak to that for a minute, but I think people need to hear that as much as possible that, you know, when you are willing to do service to others, your life becomes better. It's an, it's the way to live life at, rather than being selfish and, and live a life only focused on yourself. But, you know, talk to that from your experience. Absolutely. And, and I tell you, it's, it's a, that's a challenge and it, it's a, a lot more challenging than it may seem because, it's like early on, I got that, right? But as life gets bigger, the demands of life, I start to get married, I start to go through things, I'm achieving things, I'm being tested on multiple levels, and more and more, it's starting to become about me, right? I'm not seeing that the same way. And, uh, and I'm, I'm grateful for that narrowing view because it's, uh, it's what allowed me to see it and live it 
in a different way. I was doing what I was taught before. Now I'm living it because I know it works. I know it's it's the key. You know, to me, that's that's the that's the sauce is is being of service to other people. When my mind is less on myself, when my mind is on others, I'm freer and I'm free, I'm freer to act and be that person that I I really intend to be and want to be in the world. And and that's why I keep doing it. Gratitude too. I I find that that being grateful for my life and loving my life uh, is really what allows me to be grateful for my life and love my life. You know. So, <laughs> It, it, it's that complicated and that simple, right? Yes, yes, yes. Exactly, exactly, man. It, it, it's just, you know, sometimes we make life so much more complicated, but when you simplify it, that's what it is. You know, if you do that, you, you get you you get the benefit of it as well as the people in your life uh, as well. Yes, and I think it's also growing up and maturing and seeing that you know, I, you know, it's that whole adage of putting the oxygen mask on first. It's that whole because, you know, I think I, I, I can also get busy trying to do all these things in the outside world and I'm forgetting to take care of myself and being a parent and going through some of the things that I've experienced in life. I've realized that in order to be the person I intend to be out there as a father, as a husband, as a partner, all of those things, I have to I have to take care of myself and love myself in the way and serve myself the way I'd like to serve others first in order to be able to, to, to transmit that out outwardly to the world. And, and that that took some time to learn. You know? I bet. And, 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 you know, let me ask you, you know, you spent four years as an uh, in the military, not all as they have traffic controller, but over in Serbia as well. And then you come back and you choose at some point you make a choice to pursue a creative path, a writer, an actor, a director, you know, as opposed to maybe a different path. What, what was that? Why did you pivot in that direction? Why were you attracted to being a creative person in those areas? And what got you down that path? Well, you know what? I think early on as a child, that always resonated with me. I just want to say, just to, just to 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 be uh, honest, I didn't actually go to Serbia. I'm I'm oh, okay. a, a stealth bomber, so if you ah. remember with that aircraft, it, it never lands. So right, right. You're really in one location uh, while Control, we're controlling the stealth bomber. Gotcha. <laughs> Gotcha. Right, right. But we were utilizing it in the war. In Serbia, got it. Yes, Understood. Yes, yes. My bad. Understood. Uh, no, I just wanted to say that because I just didn't, you know, just 100. I wasn't. I wasn't boots on the ground in Serbia. Sure. Utilizing the aircraft there. Um, but you were playing a vital role by doing that, obviously. And you, and you, you know that's the thing. Sometimes people don't realize it takes a whole team of people doing all kinds of things to be able to accomplish those missions. It's not everybody has their role. And you, you know, being an air traffic controller for the stealth bomber was a very va valuable role as well. Absolutely. More so than I, I, I'm realizing that more and more as time goes on. I think what we were talking about earlier, I think when you have that, when you have this sacrifice and selflessness uh, ingrained in you at a young age, sometimes I could, I can gloss over what that really was and not say, oh, okay, that was substantial. That was significant. And uh, and I've learned in, in my process, in my journey to acknowledge that those things. And now with that acknowledgement has come a great deal of healing uh, and, and a lot of gratitude for having been able to participate uh, in, in Operation Noble Anvil. But uh, so take I'm us sorry. back to the creative side, the, cre yeah, the how creative. Did you, how did you pivot to the creative and why? What, what was that? that you know, and you said you I were young. It came to me as a as a kid. I was always into 
in the literature, into reading, into writing, into in, in, in school, it, it was just something that resonated with me. And then in high school, I was a jock, but I was also low key in AP classes, in you know, in literature classes, and in the you know, in the arts. I would always kind of sneak over to the theater and stand next to. I was in Texas, so you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I was being called to it. Then and then when I was in the military, something very clearly started to come forward and be like, wait, you really love to write. You're going to write. And I started to have and that was my my choice, which was one of the reasons why I separated was because I was called very strongly into the arts. And I knew that that's what I, what I was supposed to be doing. Uh, and I knew I had to somehow get busy doing it. Um, so. So that's, when you came when you came out of the military, you went to school in Texas, correct? And you and that's when you started to pursue the arts a little bit more. Um, I did. Yes, I uh, I immediately I utilized my GI Bill and I went to a Collin College, which is now a four year college, but it happened to be one of the best theater schools. Some might say the best theater school in the nation at the time. And I don't know, just just proximity. I just happened to to land there. I didn't know that, but I kept being drawn to the theater and I'd find myself just standing there. And uh, and someone grabbed me, Gail Cronauer, who uh, did so much service and so much work at Collin College, grabbed me and she said, well, you're gonna be in my, I said, I don't know why I'm here, but I keep coming here. And she says, you're gonna be in my acting two class. And then, and then she's, I said, <laughs> okay. And then she says, okay, sit here and do this. And she told me everything to do. And then she says, she had an agent. So she says, I'm taking you all to see my agent. And then we read for agents and I got signed right then. So from that acting two class, I got signed and I started working right away as an actor. And the writing took off at the same time. I got a scholarship as a writer back then too. So uh, so it was. I was off to the races with that for a while. And, and, and at some point, was that the reason or was there, oh, you meant, I, I read the reason. So you moved to California to be closer to your daughter, but that also obviously put you, you know, into at least what is mostly the heart of the entertainment industry as well. But why, you know, you came for one reason, but you got the other reason, but take us on that journey. Wow. Um, that, what a journey. I, after Colin College, I went and got my got my uh, bachelor's and a minor in theater, in film and everything. And then I got an MBA. That was kind of like, I did that because I thought my parents were going to be like, what's with all this art stuff? How are you going to take care of that? <laughs> <laughs> so, so I went and got an MBA. Because they, uh, they weren't going to be impressed by you being an oh, actor. <laughs> they, were, they were like, um, yeah, yeah, no. no. <laughs> We're really proud of you. That's really good. But what are you really going to be doing? What are you? How are you, are you exactly. So, so I went and I did that, and and it was it was. And I was thinking, I had two agents at the time. I had an agent in Dallas and an agent in Austin. I'm I, I'm I'm booking stuff and I'm traveling and I'm trying to work two cities at the same time. But I'm also getting a a, a master's, and I realized the workload of a master's and trying to do that was was uh it didn't quite work out the way I thought it was I was like wait a minute I a can't work a lot of work <laughs> a lot of work you can't make C's you know so I had to I had to devote myself to the graduate degree and get out of there and in the midst of that right as soon as I was about to graduate in December my ex-wife told me she was moving my daughter to Los Angeles 
Ah. And, and I had a choice to make. And at first it was like, okay, I'm gonna stick around in Austin because Austin was, this was before everybody moved to Austin. Austin was a, a great place to be back then. Sure. Um, so I'm like, man, leaving Austin to go to LA. But I went to visit my daughter in, in March of that year. They moved in December. I went to visit my daughter in March and, and keep in mind, my daughter's really, really young at this time. She's 18, right. now, she was really young uh, in 2013. So I, 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 when I went to the airport to leave her, she broke down crying and she was mm -hmm. sobbing. And I, I knew right then and there, I'm, 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 coming, I'm coming to be with my little girl. And I dropped everything, John. I, uh, I, le I left my job. I uh I loaded up the car. I had I had a, a Nissan Sentra. Um, I had yeah, a that, I know what that is. <laughs> you know that car. That was my car, Nissan Sentra. I put a TV in the back. I put some clothes in the back. Um, and I had like I had two grand saved up, and uh and I got a, a twenty hour a week job at the Embassy Suites in Valencia, which was uh and that's what brought me to California. I came with that and. The air traffic controller, the guy who trained me in air traffic control way back when was working at LAX. Uh, what do you, the TRACON at LAX uh, for air traffic control, but that's in Palmdale. So right. he gave me a room. He says, you come with me. You want to be your, near your daughter. When you have enough money, you can pay me rent, but you can live with me. So my mentor, the guy who trained me in air traffic control, gave me a room uh, so I could come out here uh, you know, so I, I can't say enough about that stuff, but uh, that's how I got my start out here. Well, just I mean, just hearing you explain that, I just think that, uh, you know, it reflect both two things to me hearing it is one, your character as a as a dad that, you know, at that point, you know, you made a, a decision that wasn't about you, but it was about your daughter. And that took, you know, your character uh, reflected on who you are and also reflected on your courage because you had to put yourself in a, outside of your comfort zone into a new situation to survive. And you did. And you did it for a bigger reason. Um, so, you know, uh, I, I just uh, respect that, man. Um, yeah. You know, so, so you get out here and then you're, you're obviously working and, and then you, you know, you go down um, eventually working for a, uh, a corporation and you, and you start doing that and everything's good and life is great financially, I would imagine. And then until it's not. Um, and, that, and then you hit the wall in, in 2017. Is that correct? And um, yeah. you, you lose that job. Um, and now you get hit with some real challenges, even real challenges. Right. And uh, just to, you know, just to give a little insight on that around. I, I, I took that job. But when I when I moved here and this is one thing that that I, I see, I, I did have a limitation when I moved here, I wasn't thinking of the entertainment industry. I was thinking in what I love to do in the arts. I was thinking of that sacrifice and that selflessness. I'm going here to, to take care of my daughter and be with my daughter. Right. And, uh, and next thing you know, you know, things started to change because I'm an artist and, and that's what I do more than anything is, is do the arts. So being away from the arts and not being able to, to, to fulfill that side of myself and that obligation to myself led to some troubles. Not only that, in 2017, while I'm working that job, my daughter moves away uh, to North Carolina. Oh. Um, and that that was really tough. That was really tough. Wow. And, and, and then at some point, um, you become homeless. 
Um, and yes. that's, that's going to connect to what you do later. And I'm going to play a little video about one of the things that you work with. But how, what was that like? I mean, you know, for I, I don't know. Some people have experienced it. A lot of people haven't. I mean, wh what was that like? For, you know, you're here, things are going good, and then they're not. And now you're struggling. Um, tell us a little bit about that period of time and what it was like for you, man. That I, if you want to go there, I don't. I mean, no, I know no, hey, John. I, look, it, it's you, John. I'm not. I'm not not telling John <laughs> what went on. You know what I'm saying? Uh, and this is called live courageously, and that's a. It's a big part of what informs me of who I am uh, now. It informs who I am today. I'm grateful for that experience. Now, um, it introduced me to Los Angeles in a new way. I'm sorry. I, I hope the sound is not is not bothering you all too much. I, I'm not sure what that is, but I'll, I'll try to address it. But uh, no, I, I, if it's, it's vague in the background, it's fine. Okay, perfect, you got it. Perfect. perfect. Um, but here's what happened. I I I'm I'm not able to pay rent, right? I I uh I start to I start to try to address this. I'm starting to realize. Wait, I'm working 70 hours a week. I do the payroll. It's aerospace manufacturing. Aerospace manufacturing is uh, one of the most grueling things that 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 so anybody can do. I have so much respect for uh, people who are in that industry. But we were about 300 or 600 late lines behind, and we were on a full uh, fledged effort to to recover a, a, a plant. And a marine came to me. So the whole reason I take this job is because a marine comes to me and says, "Hey, man, I, I need help." trying to recover. <laughs> so, so the plant manager is a Marine and I'm thinking I'm Air Force, right? So I said, okay. You know, <laughs> I'm not going to tell a Marine no. I, <laughs> Marine wants me to come and help him. So that's so, funny. That's funny. So, so I, I, but I don't realize, wait a minute, this is something that just can't fully be recovered in the time frame that we were given. And it's, it takes a lot out of all of us. And in the meantime, my daughter leaves, which was my reason really for coming to California. I don't know how to handle any of these emotions. So when she left, I remember taking her to uh, taking her to, to to her mother and her stepfather and dropping her off. And um, and I, I'm telling you, the joy of having been able to be there at lunch, take her to lunch, eat lunch with her in elementary school. She was in elementary. She was going into middle school when this move happened. She's around 13 years old. Um, and I thought, I, man, I, I just said, you know what, like we, like we learned to do in the military, I'm just going to grant, I'm, I'm just going to move through this. I'm a soldier on and keep going. And that's what I did for a while. And then the work hours, all of it, not knowing, not going to get therapy or anything to help deal with the, the, my daughter moving or knowing mm -hmm. how to get out of that situation. Slowly, my health starts to suffer. And next thing you know, I find myself uh, hospitalized and out of a job. And, wow. uh, and then I find this notice on the door. It was funny when the notice came, the notice says, uh, <laughs> the notice said, you have, you have like, you it keeps saying you have, you're going to be evicted, but this was before COVID protocols when you couldn't evict. This was, this was old Los Angeles where right. if you don't pay, you're on the street. No, what's about it. So I was like, okay, all right. Next thing you know, two cops showed up to the door. They said, you have 10 minutes wow. to pack your things. Wow. Wow. <laughs> and be out of here. So I said, I grabbed two bags um, the best I could, and I, and I left that apartment. And, uh, and, I, and I, it was in Toluca Lake, which was a nice okay. luxury apartment, nice apartment. Yeah, nice area. 
Yeah, and I and I walk out, man. I walk out, John, and I'm like, man. I, I remember holding those two bags um, and realizing real fast that was too much. I had too. I was carrying too much weight. <laughs> so, so I figure out that first night was tough. I went up and I sat. I, it's it's weird. Uh, Toluca Lake's not for those who may not know where Toluca Lake is. It's not too far from Warner Brothers. It's in walking distance from Warner Brothers Studios. So I go up. Um, that day, and I walk. I walk to Warner Brothers, and I sit out in front of Warner Brothers Studios, and I think about what I love to do, what I what I've always wanted to do, and where my life is now. And uh, and I don't know. I think it's where you say from faith, uh, you know, faith over fear. I think that's. I just always knew that 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 wasn't it. And I knew, A, my training. Now, I was in the Air Force, so I can't say I knew how to sleep in the field very well. <laughs> <laughs> so I had, I had been to combat skills school for a week and had to sleep. So I had to draw on all this of that. This is all better for the Air Force. Yes, indeed. <laughs> <laughs> Air Force came back to bite me a little bit. But, but I, <laughs> but I, I learned... Uh, I learned a lot those days. I, I would try to find a place to sleep. It was tough. The cool part about Toluca Lake is they have stone benches um, that you can fit. You can lay across. You can fit. They don't have the lip. For those uh, who know bus stops and stuff, most bus stops have a lip, so you can't. There's so many homeless uh, people in, in Los Angeles. They have lips, so you can't sleep at a bus stop. And I right. understand the buses have to keep running. But in Toluca Lake, they have benches for bus uh -huh. stops. And you can sleep on those. So I, I started there. I went to Salvation Army, got some blankets, got a can opener, P38 can opener. And uh, and there's so many different people that that help you out when you're on the streets of Los Angeles to kind of teach you what you need to do, where to go get a hot shower, uh, where to get a library card to look for a job, all of those things. So I the, the community around me started to teach me how to deal with this situation that I was in. Um, and, and how long did you stay out there and, and what, what did you get into a program that took you to the next level? Uh, what was it for you? What was your experience with that? Well, <laughs> well, I got tired of Burbank because it's hot out there. And I said, you know what, if I'm going to be homeless, like everybody does out here, right? If I'm going to be homeless, I might as well be homeless near the beach. So I got on a bus. <laughs> and I went to Santa Monica. My neighborhood, Santa Monica. Yeah. <laughs> I went to Santa Monica and I said, man, the, and, and I slept in that park right there on Ocean Avenue. I, I forget the name of it, but I would sleep in that park. I go to the OPCC. I get registered with everything. Right on, right on Cloverfield, right? OPCC. Yes, yeah. yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. Um, walking distance from me. Uh-huh. Yes. There's also, I think, yes, there's that there. And then there's that one off of Olympic too, where Correct. you get your showers and, uh -huh. and your meals and everything too. So I started there. Um, yeah, and, and, and it, as far as the program goes, no, I'm sitting there. I, this is way back when. I didn't run marathons back then. I, I was actually, I started smoking again. I was stressed. So I'd go get cigarette butts uh, at the hotels and, and, and stuff like that. And I was walking in an alley and I got into uh, in a Mercedes. Dodgers lost games. Dodgers lost game seven. You Darvish, I don't know what happened to you Darvish. <laughs> <laughs> but but we lose game seven. I'm I'm like beside myself. All the military stuff is coming up. And uh and I'm starting to feel hypervigilant. I'm starting to feel uh, mm -hmm. a lot of that stuff. And uh and I got into it with a guy driving a Mercedes and and uh 
And I end up getting picked up and taken to the Twin Towers Correctional Facility. Um, oh, thank you, Jenny. Thank you. <laughs> um, but I, I, uh, I get picked up. I go to Twin Towers. And, um, and that's where my journey begins. Thankfully, the Veteran Justice Outreach went into the Twin Towers and goes into the Twin Towers. And a lot of veterans may not know this, but uh, the Veterans Justice Outreach are, are literally angels that have been going in uh, to the jails all over to, to check on us, particularly here in Los Angeles. So it was the Veterans Justice Outreach that said, hey, we have a collaborative court. Um, it was in Com Compton. Uh, they said, if you can get to us, there's benefits. There's this place in West L.A. There's everything. We can get you out there and we can make sure you have your benefits. We can make sure you get housing. We can take care of you. But you have to get to us. So that was like Shangri-La to me. I was like, OK, uh, I had I didn't even know about the West L.A. VA. I knew about the federal building, but not the West L.A. VA. So that's where somehow at the 11th hour, um, they told me too. They said, "Well, you know, you are going to prison." You know, <laughs> so wow. I said, that's what I was told that right away. They said, "You're you're gonna go to prison." Most people go to prison, uh, and I was like, "With these charges," and uh, that's a whole nother uh, podcast. But but uh, long story short, the Veterans Justice Outreach was prepared for that and knew that and said, "We can get you uh, to Compton's Collaborative Court." My, my public defender, I had a, my dad had hired a lawyer and all of that, but they were drawing this thing out and I wanted to see my daughter again. So we, we fired that lawyer, got a public defender. And I just asked that public defender and that's sometimes, you know, living courageously, John is, is asking for help too, you know, and I, and I, and I find that was, that was one of the great lessons uh, I learned throughout this whole thing. I mean, I was homeless on the streets, full disclosure, I could have called my parents right away and I could have been evacuated out of Los Angeles. And I just, I just didn't have that in me. I just felt like I had to, I had to stay here and I had wow. to, had to make it. And, uh, and so of course my parents are there. My dad's there. He's supporting me hundred percent. He shows up to every court appearance. He's there. Um, eventually I get, I get at the 11th hour, you're not going to prison. You're going to uh, the Compton collaborative court. Judge Atchison Goff runs that court, uh, and that's it. And then they they sent me to the domiciliary in, on the West LAVA campus. I stayed there for maybe eight months. I'm still I'm homeless, uh, so I got to figure that part out. I go to Building 257, the Welcome Center. I stay there for another eight or nine months, and then I get housing uh, out in the valley and start. And then the pandemic happens. <laughs> so. <laughs> So, uh, and that's when I started to do the podcast with, with Gail Ockletree, who's also a veteran and a member of uh, the Hollywood Post 43. And we did the Voice of the Veteran during the podcast. Uh, so, so, yeah, you talked to me a little bit about that. So, obviously, you know, during the pandemic, you started this podcast show um, called Voice of the Veteran, and you did it for about a year. And, um, you know, one it was something to give back and to do something to help others, but it also helps you just like, you know, doing this podcast show, it's a way to give back, but it's also something that, uh, you know, gives me strength as well. So what was that like for you, um, you know, stepping up and doing that podcast show over the, over the pandemic and reaching out to veterans and, you know, being a voice there for, uh, for them and with them? Well, you know, the, the, the uh, veterans uh, outreach was something that was just, I, I remember I, the, uh, the wellness center had gave me a Huffy bike. 
<laughs> they just won Christmas. This was, but it's it's those little moments. I'm telling you, um, when I was in the Twin Towers, one guy gave me a sandwich. I'll never forget that sandwich. Uh, mm. I was I was hungry, um, and so to, to that kindness, I will never forget. Um, and, and you know, and it, and it and gets me emotional because that kindness exists in there. Um, the same was with this bike. Someone donated maybe a hundred bikes at the wellness center uh, across from the domiciliary. And I got that bike. With that bike, I was able to go to building 500. For those who don't know, that's the main building for the hospital and, and things like that. I was able to go to my appointments. On the way, someone pulled me over and said, hey, there's a, a community veterans engagement board meeting. Now, that was Gail Alcatraz. She says, uh, come to me with this meeting. She just grabbed me and pulled me into this meeting. Well, I don't know. The director of the VA is in there <laughs> and everybody's in there. And I'm like, whoa. You know, and I sit on that board today. It's you know, and it's 2023. I'm I'm on. I'm a member of that board. I'm the homeless liaison on that board today. But that started with people just seeing me on campus and pulling me into things, and my willingness to go um, and not ever think about being uncomfortable or anything like that. But just to go is what started the the veteran outreach and uh, in, in doing some of the things you just mentioned. Well, you know, listening to your story, I mean, I think a couple things come up to me because, you know, and I'll, we'll get a little bit more into when we met uh, again before we finish. But when I met you, you know, I met you as a actor and a veteran. Right. And, yeah. and then you shared about your running and marathon stuff. And you shared a little bit about your life with me about, you know, coming from Texas. And, and, and you know, you, you know, we got into it. We we clicked because I loved your energy. I loved your 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 smile. Just, you know, you came across just with that that energy that, I, that, that it was attractive. And I said, yeah, this is a great guy. So we, we got that uh, connection, but you know, I didn't know at that time, you know, the journey and nobody knows each other's journey unless we get into it deeper. Right. So I didn't know that you went for all that. You know, I was like, yeah, he's a veteran. This guy seems like he got his act together on every level, but you didn't know that, you know, that people go through stuff like being homeless. People go through, you know, uh, setbacks in life and we're all human. You know, we all and, and sometimes we we have things that push us back and then we have to overcome and you did overcome them. But, I, you know, I think listening to you is just a reminder to me and to the audience, too, that when we see somebody, we don't know what that person's story is, the good, bad and the bad. We just don't know. And so having that compassion, having that, like you said, somebody gave you a sandwich, someone just realizing that this is another human, that maybe you can be that person to give them something to help them whether it's a kind word, a smile, a sandwich, whatever, you know, because right. we're all going through a journey in life and, you know, and we, we don't always get to do it by ourselves. We need help. Um, and sometimes we're strong enough to ask for it. And sometimes we're not. Um, right. Yes. Right. Yes. You know, yes. so that's what I hear in your story. And I just think, you know, thanks for sharing all that because it just gives us, uh, you know, a, a insight, I think, to people who don't realize what well, this guy really, he was homeless. That's impossible. Right. Well, you know, that's the thing. I think, you know, understand that we're all human. And, and so anyway, thanks for sharing all that with us. Um, Thank you. John. Thank you. I'm just going to put up a quote from somebody, you know, um, it's just one of the one of the. Thank audience. you. William. Thank you. Yeah. Um, but, you know, so so once again, now, you know, we're going to jump a little bit forward. You did the podcast show. You did that for veterans and then you got into running. And, you know, so you did that during the pandemic and before we start with you running. I'm going to, you know, share a little story and I'm going like, I'm impressed, man. Four marathons and, 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 you know, during COVID uh, all the gyms shut down. So what I did was I went out and started walking in the local park in Santa Monica and 
I don't like walking. Um, I, I like lifting weights. I like playing basketball. I don't like walking. I don't like running. Just, you know, but finally I got up to 15 miles in one day, four and a half hours of walking. And I felt like I was far as gump. I was like looking for the people behind me. I was like, damn it. You know, and, and I could, I was just tired. I didn't want to walk anymore. Luckily the gyms opened up the next week and I went back to the gym, <laughs> but you know, to run a marathon to me is impressive and to run four is even more impressive. But how did you get into that? And how did you, you know, what led you to Skid Row um, Running Club? And then I'm going to show uh, share a little video of theirs. And then we'll talk a little bit about your journey as well with that. Thank you. Um, well, then, well, you know what? Being homeless, you walk a lot, too. So, so <laughs> true that. <laughs> oh, I, was, I think I was up to like maybe 29 miles. A day. <laughs> I, when I was at 15, I was saying, you know, you could do 26. And the other part of my brain was, shut up. No, you can't. <laughs> well, I, I, we started this thing walking. So that's one of the things I noticed being out there was there was something primal after a while that just takes over and you just keep pushing forward. And it, and, and it, it informs my life today. So, I, so I, I'm so grateful because it was my first connection to that thing within my, you know, my human spirit that can continue to drive forward. Uh, I don't want to say my first because the military taps into that too. But, but even more so, being homeless and that that thing was tapped into. But and through the service you mentioned with uh, the Voice of the Veteran podcast and having come from a situation of having experience being unhoused. It, I was tasked by some of my friends in, in, in the industry. They said, hey, we're interested in this. We just want to know what we can do. What, what can we do? And, uh, and I, was, I was doing the podcast and I was like, man, I need, to, I need to get out there. What more can I do? And at the time at the West LA VA, you know, we had a lot of uh, tents and things around the VA and things like that. And I was, I was also working out there and bringing things to them and helping uh, with that situation too in any way I could uh, by being a liaison and also volunteering. Um, and and uh, the running just kind of skid row happened because I, I was dating someone who ran and was a marathon runner and uh, and she encouraged me. She said, you know what? Running really does something for me. Um, and I said, OK. And I was like you, John. I was like, oh, you know, oh. <laughs> I was not having it, you know. So she was like, I really want you to run. I really want you to run. I said, nah, I don't think so. So I would support her. I went to watch her run marathons. I, I support her. I'd give her roses when she crossed the finish line, all of that. <laughs> and then finally, I started looking around. I was like, wait a second. <laughs> I was like, maybe this, there's something to this running thing. Because I went and I ran Kenneth Hahn, nothing, big hill there. And something kicked in. And I, and I thought, hmm, I might try this. So the, I'd say the mental note was planted in that relationship. And sure. then, I, then the new year was coming around, and I wasn't going to make resolutions or anything. I do do a goal sheet. And I had goals. What, so, what year? What year was that, Nicholas? When I started running, 2021, yeah. 2021. 2021. Okay. In uh -huh. 2021, I I haven't really run. I think I ran one race. I agreed to run one race, which is also an awesome race. It's out in San Pedro, okay. uh, and it's around September. So I had run that one 5K or 6K race, and that was it. Uh, Conquer the bridge. Uh, so I'd run that. That's the one race I'd run. And then I was looking for a place in a community to run with. And I didn't know. So, you know, a big part of me, my story is I meditate, you know, and I, uh, and so I was meditating on it. Where do I go? Where do I find a place to run? And I remember um, 
that ex-girlfriend had told me about a judge. She had told me about uh, Skid Row Running Club. She told me about a movie. There's a movie, Skid Row Marathon, that really covers what, what Judge Craig Mitchell does uh, for Skid Row Running Club. And as I've told you, part of my story, it happens to align with my experiences. I didn't know that fully at the time because I hadn't seen the movie fully. I still haven't seen the movie fully because I was like, you know what? It's like you want, I, I, I see him when I run with him. So I didn't want it to, to cloud the way I see him or interact with him fully, but I have watched most of it. And uh, and this was after maybe six months of knowing him, but I just started showing up 6th in San Pedro for anyone who's ever been unhoused. And for those outside of Los Angeles, 6th uh, in San Pedro is really for many of us, the epicenter of Los Angeles It's the epicenter of the homeless epidemic in Los Angeles. It is Skid Row. Um, so we, so being down there and it's also, the Midnight Mission is right there in front of it. And the Midnight Mission has been a great beacon of light in, in, in Los Angeles for a long, long time. So I'm, I'm gonna play uh, <clears throat> that video, uh, tra the trailer for the Skid Row Running Club in a second. But um, a couple of, about a month ago, I interviewed, he was the only person I had never known on yeah. my show. And you probably ran into him in Skid Row, Officer Dion Joseph. I have, yes, and, I've and seen Officer him. Joseph, you know, has worked in Skid Row for 25 years. And, you know, I saw videos with him. I saw interviews with him. And I was like, God, I got to have this guy on my show. He's just, just one of the most amazing persons who gives up his heart to everybody, knows everybody on Skid Row, just as a role model for, for making life better for people. So I was honored to have him on my show. We had a great interview. And then turns out his wife has a, uh, a truck, food truck and they were going to be in Venice. So the next week I went down to Venice to get their food, try their food and meet them in person. So it was a great experience for me. The guy's amazing. But let me show this trailer. <clears throat> uh, let me show this trailer for um, the Skid Row Running Club. Um, let's see where it is. Where did it go? Where did it go? My involvement with the running club gives me the ability to impact lives in a way that I cannot as a judge. I came all the way right here. I just dropped my window and I started shooting at them. And when they both fell, I, I knew I hit them. This is what I used to call home. Climbing in and out of a hole on a regular basis like it's perfectly normal. I got arrested, I got out of jail. And then I just drank as much as I could, hoping to die. I was in the streets, not being able to take care of myself. I have created so much wreckage because of my drinking and, you know, drug use. I knew I, that I needed help. One horrendous act does not define a person in his or her entirety. I started out with just a few runners. They learned very quickly that you do not run a full marathon without a lot of training. Not everybody succeeds. I knew I had found another passion in Ellis Park. Be ready to rock and roll. Here we come, the Midnight Runners. Maybe the running club, it's a way for him to do something good. Do I believe in the second gen? Sure, I do. Giving 
someone from Skid Row an opportunity to come to a glorious city is incredibly empowering. It gives them dignity. This is my letter of recommendation from Judge Craig Mitchell. I'm a decent human being. That's crazy. They deserve to go. It all boils down to this movie. It's such a big deal being here. It's not just about homeless people running in Rome. This is all uh, like a turnaround for me in my life. Running gives me a sense of discipline and commitment. It's part of my life. Whatever sacrifices I have made to make this possible, it's worth it. <laughs> so, um, pretty wild, man. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Um, and and that's that's the that's the guy I know. You know, I've had the the fort. I've been fortunate enough to uh, spend a lot of time with with Judge Mitchell. Uh, we went to uh, the Grand Canyon. I'd never seen the Grand Canyon. I hiked the Grand Canyon with uh, Judge Mitchell. Not only did I run the first L.A. Marathon in 2021 with Judge Mitchell, but then in April or May of that year, we, we go to the Grand Canyon, and I had the pleasure of hiking the Grand Canyon uh, with Judge Mitchell. That's a 17-mile hike. I mean, that's not... <laughs> <laughs> we hiked it and then we hopped on our bikes and we rode our bikes back to Los Angeles. Um, and, and, and I learned a lot about him on that journey um, and who he is and what it's about and what he does. Two of the guys we just saw in that trailer. I know I just came back from India and the Maldives with one of them, Raphael. Um, you, you Stop there. You say that so, so uh, easy. You just came back from running a marathon in India. Yes. Wow. I mean, that's pretty amazing, man. What, what an experience. What was that like? I mean, I've never been to India, uh, but you didn't just go as a visitor. You went and you ran a marathon in India. I mean, yeah. what was the experience like for you to, to be in a country running that marathon outside of the U.S.? It was, it was a tremendous experience. I mean, as soon as we touched down, and we didn't have a lot of time. So we knew we ran the marathon. We left on the 22nd. I, this is the longest flight I'd ever been on because it's like 25 hours in all, you know, to get there. Um, so it's a long, it's a whole travel day. We get there, we've got about a day's rest or so, and then we run the marathon right after that. And wow. New Delhi has the greatest pollution I've ever seen. I've never mm. seen any kind of pollution or breathed any kind of air. So automatically your body has to adapt to the fact that the pollution is pretty high. Um, so it was, it was, an, it was extraordinary. The the, the haze of the pollution, the Indian people, uh, the, the everything about it, the food, the smells, everything about it made it just this tremendous experience. I, I, I'm, I, I am a writer and I can't write this stuff, John. I mean, <laughs> I can't, you know, it was it was a, a, a true testament to everybody finished, too, that, that ran the marathon. We, it wow. Was, it was and then you came back and how long were you here before you ran the L.A. marathon just just recently? Well, the judge is a very intelligent man. So the judge said, guys, we're going to go to India. We're going to run the marathon. Then we're going to go to the Maldives for six days. <laughs> so and the judge had me at the Maldives. I was like, I, I want to go to the Maldives. So we knew as soon as we got back from the Maldives, we'd had maybe, I want to say maybe a week or nine days to 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 run the uh, LA the train and run another marathon. Right, right. I, well, I think I ran one Saturday before the marathon. I think we had one Saturday that we ran before the marathon. So it was, uh, it was interesting. <laughs> yeah, I would imagine it, it, it was, man. Uh, I'm, I'm just going to 
you know, throw up a couple of pictures, obviously, of, of, of uh, you. There you are running. Um, that was in the Maldives. That was in the Maldives. We wow, ran was that in the Maldives? We ran yeah. every day out there in the Maldives. Yeah. And then, of course, this is you completing the L.A. Marathon. Yes. Um, and, and then getting some... Some carbs Ooh. in your system, man. That's in India. That's in. Oh, that was in India, really. Yes, this is in India. After the marathon, uh, the Indian people were kind enough to to feed us, so we we had all this food after the marathon. Uh, it was it was amazing. We were treated very well out. There. And this is of course the L.A. marathon, which you. Uh, well, have... that's New De that's New Delhi. Oh, that's this New Delhi. Oh, my bad. Oh, oh interesting. I didn't I didn't know that was so. That was in New Delhi. Wow, man. Yes. Yes. That yes. is. So, so freaking cool. Well, let me just play a quick uh, video for everybody of, of you. Uh... And that was that, that L.A.? That's Los Angeles. That's, that's, that's Los Angeles. Yeah. That's good yeah. So, so all, all this stuff, and you know, we we met last week, um, and, and once again, when we started talking about, to, you know, so you've done all this, you know, these things with Skid Row. It's an amazing organization. Um, you know, it's a way to kind of inspire people to, to take a second chance at their life, to have a second chance, to encourage people that you know people can turn their lives around. You know, yeah. not everybody does, and unfortunately, some people don't get a chance or they don't do it but you know when people give them a chance and and just like the skid row running club it's giving people a chance to find something else another purpose and a mission um and i guess that's another question before i jump into our work together but you know what is um uh, th those qualities that you say because you know in the military you have a purpose and mission a lot of times people who come out of the military kind of get lost because they don't have a purpose and mission anymore and in civilian life, a lot of civilians never find a real purpose and mission to inspire them to have a, so that's why people sometimes go into a really uh, dark place or a life that is not that uh, good. But if you have a purpose and a mission, something bigger than yourself, um, whether it's service, volunteerism, um, fitness, whatever, it inspires you to a better life. So what is that purpose and mission that you share in your life for people that, you know, I think people need to learn from and have for me it's it's uh it's you know it's 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 like we say it's, it's complicated and simple at the same time of course i want to i want to help third world countries and i want to do all of that but i i draw from my own life for that like i've experienced uh being unhoused so for me i want to help the unhoused you know i just draw that line to that i've experienced being uh, held underneath the weight of the criminal justice system. I want to help people who are in that situation. Um, so I, I think the things I go through uniquely prepare me to be of service in the areas and the greatest challenges that I that I that I've overcome. Um, you know, now it's 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 you know this this is operating without my you know my hands are off the wheel here. You know, what I mean, I'm 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 living it and loving my life. And I'm trying to make it as, as as less about me as I possibly can. Um, that's even with my fiance and my my daughters of being of service to them. You know. <laughs> well, you know, uh, I'm gonna just pivot again. But you know, like I said, getting us back. You know, we we had a chance to meet, and I, you know, I always say God's had a bigger plan for me. I mean, I grew up in 
the ghetto of the South Bronx, dropped out of high school when I was 15, you know, went on a journey that eventually got me to where I am today. I was a counselor with runaway kids in Hollywood. I've done a lot of different things. And, and you're right. Sometimes, you know, you, you know, I got involved in veteran support because I ended up doing some training videos with the Marine Corps and it just opened up a window and I was like, wow, these are amazing young men and women. What can I do to give back? And that led me into doing veteran support stuff. It wasn't part of a plan. It wasn't what I was thinking about. But, you know, a door opens and I kind of tend to go through the doors when they open and then recreate myself and do something that, that, that's useful. Um, so that's kind of how I connected. And that's why we're connected, because yes. I ended up being a member uh, as a son of the Legion over at Post 43, American Legion in Hollywood. Yes. And, you know, we then both ended up on a film together, which is like you said, this is uh, Hollywood Post 43 Last Stand. And, you know, it was a, a great experience. They had a screening over at the thing that we obviously had a chance to um, <laughs> on the step and repeat uh, red carpet together, you know, and the story was really cool because here's, here's the three of us, you know, we're arguing, we're three veterans, we're arguing about how, which branch got the better idea to stop the zombies, right? You, I was uh, uh, playing a Coast Guard a veteran, you were Navy and, and uh, the other, um, uh, what's his name? Uh, got Fred, 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 Fred. That's right. Was he Army or, or, or Air Force? I think Fred, I would I, I think he might have been army. Uh but but you're leaving out something, John. Okay, John, go ahead, go there. We were just arguing about that. We were arguing over the ship. I don't know if you saw the picture, but there was that big ship there. John wanted the big ship. John kept saying, John kept saying, Well, I'm I'm taking a big ship. I was like, wait a minute. No, and then he tried to give me this little bitty ship. <laughs> And I was like, I don't want the little ship, you know. Uh, it, it was funny because we were in and out of character, having fun with the whole thing, and uh, you know, and the director was just having a great time because we were just being wild. You know, we were just really getting at each other like we were going to save the post from the zombies. <laughs> uh, but the, the, you know, it was a great time doing it, and the actual short film got screened there, and it's now going to be at the GI Film Festival down in San Diego. I believe it's yes. May 19th, which is a Friday. So our film is going to be screening down there, which hopefully I'm going to get a chance to go down there if I can, if I'm not out of town. Um, but, um, you know, we'll have a chance to connect. But once again, so this is the creative side of you. And so obviously you act, you write, you direct, you have a, a, a website with some of the stuff you directed. Tell us about what's your goals going forward on the creative side. I'm leaving out something, you all, uh, which is which is uh, what I've been doing for the last two since 2020. I've uh, I've, I'm a writer, um, and the UCLA has a creative writing workshop um, for veterans, and that's uh, that 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 that's known as the Word Commandos to a, a lot of veteran writers. Um, but it's a, a UCLA uh, course that's being offered. I started that in 2018. Um, and I wrote my first short story uh, then. And then I was I was in Lit Crawl uh, that year and got to read that story. Um, and the next year during the pandemic, 2020, I, it was requested that uh, a piece I'd written, and I'd written a small, it was maybe 300, 400 words. It was called He Went That Way. Uh, and I read that at Lit Crawl in 2020, um, inspired by what happened with George Floyd and, and everything. Uh, uh, during that time, that that summer, 
And I, I got discovered by someone, uh, Kurt Seaver uh, from Mayday Magazine. He published, uh, he went that way. I've written 14, 15 stories. I think maybe 11 of them are published already. Um, and I'm, I'm almost done with my collection. I've got two stories to go on my, my collection. So my books are, are almost done. And, uh, and I'm also working on three screenplays right now. Uh, and I'm getting to act every week right now, which I'm really enjoying. So, you know, it, it, it's and, and he's running 11 miles after the marathon, riding a bike 13 miles. Oh, man. You know, uh, do you write while you're riding the bike? That's impressive, man. Yeah. I, you know what? It comes to me right now. I, I have 10 pages due tomorrow. So I have 10 pages to turn in tomorrow. And what's going to happen is after this, I'm going to eat. And then I'm going to be riding all night long. And while I was riding the bike, it was coming to me, the outline <laughs> and everything, you know, it, so, it just, the pool so, is too, swimming. So what, so what you're saying is, so when, when this podcast ends, now you've kind of made me feel like I got to get busy and do some work. Thanks, man. No, it's Sunday. <laughs> it's Sunday. Uh, one of the things, and this is what I learned from Judge Mitchell, the, the reason why we set set those uh the marathon goals and the reason why we set goals like right now there's a the the next big goal i think there's going to be an ultra marathon in joshua tree 37 miles so we already know I, i'm not wow. saying now i haven't been cleared to do that my fiance is not clear i will not i will not be participating in that when i have not been cleared <laughs> 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 However, we are negotiating. That the small, that's the small print, right? <laughs> right, the small print. So she said, look, you just did this, that. But there's a bike trip from San Francisco all the way to Los Angeles. We are in negotiations on my participation in that. Uh, right. But having a goal. So I like to say, okay, I, I commit to you. Hey, John, I'm going to have 10 pages due. Hey, I'm going to run a marathon. And, and then I keep my word, you know, that I have integrity with my word. So that that's how I get things done. It's really just saying I'm going to do it and then sharing that with somebody else and then doing it. And, and the well, judge has, has helped me with that. Well, I think that, you know, that's a great lesson as we kind of get to the end of the show is just, you know, one, setting that goal and making a, uh, a commitment to someone or a public commitment so that, you know, you're, you're, you're now you're, you've told someone you're going to do it and they're like, you know, now you got to live up to your word. And right. I, I think for a lot of us, that's the way to get things accomplished in life. Because if, you know, you can talk yourself out of anything if you don't have to. It's like, yeah, you make excuses for days. But once you've given your word to somebody else, not as different, you know, because yeah. now, you know, it, it, it means more. And if you want to be that person and you, you are and I am and others should, you know, that's what you need to be. Make that commitment to somebody else. And now you put in the work and you do it, you know, and you, you, you get to that goal. Um, so that's pretty, you know, strong. What else would anything else you would want to wrap up? Anything that people can support you? Obviously, uh, you know, anything messages that you would like to leave us at, at the end with this? Well, well, first of all, gratitude. Thank you. I'm grateful uh, for an opportunity to, to, to have this conversation, John, and to, to open up about some of these things that I, I, I don't share. If you ask me, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you about my experience. I, I didn't lead with that. Like, like John was saying, when I met him, I didn't lead with that. Oh, of course not. Not at all. Not at all. <laughs> but, but I did share, John shared with me and what I identified in John right away was that John was able to identify and knew and surrounded himself with people who had accomplished a great deal and had overcome 
a lot of things in life. I mean, just phenomenally great people uh, and examples all around him. And that's one of those takeaways I looked at as, hmm, okay, I'm going to make sure I'm doing that. So I'd say just having that observation, and, and I know that it, it sounds like a cliche, but I think who, who you surround, who I surround myself with matters. And that's why I surround myself with people like, like, like John, you know, and, and, uh, and I, and that frequency attracts more, more people, uh, like, like ourselves, you know? Well, Nicholas, thank you for those kind words, man. And, you know, but they are true because, you know, when I started this show, I started it because I felt like I had to do something to give back more and find another way to reach people. And I, you know, I say, I mean, one of the things I've been blessed with in life, you know, is a, an abundance of great people in my life. And I've just been, everywhere I go, I've met and made friends with great people who live lives of overcoming, lives of service, lives of making a difference. And I've had all those people and I went, you know, it's like God's given me that blessing of all that, those people. And so that's why my show came about so that I could share those people's story, your story, and, and others, because that's how, you know, people get inspired. That's how I got inspired when I was a, you know, a dropout in the South Bronx. My goal was to survive. I didn't have these big goals, being a film producer, making movies. Are you kidding me? That, you know, what was, what was that, man? That's, I had no idea what any of that was, right? That wasn't my dream. It was somehow God had a bigger plan. And part of it was the people that I met in my life, like yourself, and that I keep meeting, because I just get attracted to people like yourself who, who overcome, people who I would call overcomers. No matter what life throws at us, we find a way. It ain't easy. We find a way. We just do it, and we get there. And so I, I saw that in you, and, in, and I just saw the energy. I mean, the other piece of it is people who are loving life, happy, and, and willing to share that with others. And you have that, man. So, brother, I, I, I was really appreciative to, to work with you. I had such a freaking blast with you, man. And uh, it was fun. So I'm glad you took the time to be on my show. And uh, so, you know, I'm, I'm not going to run. A, I don't have to say I'm not going to run 37 miles because I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> I am going to go. I'm going to go to the gym, though. You inspire me. All uh, right. I'm going to do some more resistance training. All right. Well, I'm, I'm a seven day in the gym kind of guy, but not a runner guy. But, you know, it, it's uh but, you know, we both find ways to create those goals for ourselves, both physically and for others. So, I, you know, I honor you, man, for what you're doing and continue to do. Anything I can do to support you, let me know. Um, yeah. And then I'll give you the last words and then I'll wrap up the show. Uh, just thank you. Thank you. I, I, I have to say, uh, Bella, Rumi, Alyssa, I love you all. Mother, I've got to give my mother a shout out. I love you too, mother. <laughs> and dad, thank you for everything. <laughs> Um, so yeah, man. Um, thank you, Tracy. Thank you for everything <laughs> you do for the Skid Row Running Club. I, I, I don't thank Tracy enough. So I just want to say thank you to Tracy because she has, uh, she's done a lot of organization and facilitating, uh, with Skid Row Running Club. And, uh, and I hadn't gotten a chance to tell her thank you for all of her organization with the India and Maldives trip. So thank you, Tracy. Well, thank you, brother. Thank you for coming on. I appreciate it. And I appreciate you. Look forward to seeing you next time at the Post or maybe down in San Diego, man. And, uh, uh, you know, let's stay in touch. Have a great day. All brother. right. Thank you, John. All right. All right, everybody. You hope you enjoyed the show and, and today's message um, of overcoming and Nicholas's life and service, both in the military and civilian life. I think he's got a powerful story with just so much that 
that I learned from just listening to them. But you know how we sometimes realize what people go through that we don't see and what struggles they're going through. So to have that kind of uh, compassion and understanding and, you know, uh, reach out to people and be there for them is a, a, a message that I think comes across powerfully in his story. So once again, thank you for watching um, Live Courageously podcast. Join us every Sunday at 2 p.m. Next week's guest is Dr. Trina, the CEO of the nonprofit Given Hour, which provides mental health services to veterans and others. Um, and, you know, and come to meet some of the other great friends I have been blessed with. And I encourage you to choose to live courageously, make your life a masterpiece. And God bless you until next Sunday. And thank you for watching.